Hey everybody, don't really have anything to share on this week's intro read. I'm kind of just doing it by force of habit. You know the drill. We're on Twitter, at ListeningPod. You can throw us a review on iTunes. You can tell a friend. We've all said that we've been here before. You guys don't need to be told this again. Enjoy the episode. Let's go. Listen in podcast episode 68 Sean and Jake back in the studio we are catching up after our father John Misty recap episode there's been a ton of albums that came out over the last week you know what I'm really glad that we are such industry insiders and we got an advanced copy of father John Misty because Imagine if that had come out on the same day, or if we were listening to it for the first time on April 7th. It would have been a little much, because um, as listeners know, we dedicated an entire episode to that. Mm. Um, So yeah, there was a lot of other music that came out to catch up on. Um, This, I hope, will be a little bit more of a free-flowing episode. Yeah. Um, Because when we do those album, full album breakdowns, I feel it's harder to be loose. I feel like we have, like, we both have ideas we want to definitely get in. There's a lot of pressure on those episodes, especially for one, like, pure comedy that we love so much. We feel obligated to do it justice. And that just puts undue pressure on the whole episode, I think, and... It does, you're right, it doesn't flow. It doesn't flow as well as it as maybe some of these other episodes do. Since we're talking about pure comedy, do you want to jump in with the quick thoughts we yeah. got on that really quick? Yeah, so so Pitchfork came out with their review, gave it a 7.6. You guys know if you're if you've been longtime listeners, we had an over-under bet for the score. Uh, I believe it was 8.5. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, we thought, This was the only silver lining yeah, of the so entire thing Jake for me. took the under on that. He thought it was going to get under an 8.5. I thought it was going to get over. You ended up winning. And I got to be honest, we we decided which side we were going to take on those well before we ever heard any of oh, this. Oh, we did. Yeah, it was very early. It was like the first episode of the year. Yeah. We decided if we wanted the under or the over. And I took the under, not knowing what. It, and then when I started hearing what was coming out, mm. when I started hearing like pure comedy and um, total entertainment forever and Ballad of the Dying Man, and I saw that there was this epic and it was getting five out of fives from getting Mojo Hundo, and yeah. was in the '90s on Metacritic. I was like, well, I've accepted my second right. over/under loss of the year. There's right. no chance. Um, but it it came through for me. How? Bullshit is this from Pitchwork. This feels like a very political score to give. I, I opened this up, and I opened up the website. I saw it didn't have the best new music tag. I gave, like, a snort of laughter. Like, yeah. oh, of course they gave it to this. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, probably some listeners of this episode, who are like, yeah, it probably only does deserve a 7.6 because I don't really like it all that much. Like, yeah, you're right. I can understand that. I can see it from that end. We both love this album. Yeah. And we were talking earlier. This might have leapfrogged up to like our album of the year. I think it is mine right yeah, now. Yeah, I think it's mine too. It's so fucking ambitious. Yeah. There's so much going on. Yeah. And the songs are really, really good. And I just think that people who are reviewing this album don't know what angle to come from. Mm. Because there's such, I think, an impulse with Father John to want to come at it with all this intelligence and really break down his character and all the stuff he's trying to say. And that's part of it, but all, like, there's a ton of great songs on there. Yeah, I feel like the music was ignored a little in, I agree. That, in that review, which uh, I don't think is fair. Um, I don't know. I just fu- Fuck Pitchfork. I don't like how much of a... like pull they have over yeah. people's perception of 
music. It still has a very high score on Metacritic. It does. It's dipped to an 87. Yeah. Um, I think there was some... It was like the polls where like there were some bad reviews came in yeah. some, some districts reported late yeah. and it, and it <laughs> reduced right. the score right. of the album overall still but for an album like that yeah. that gets reviewed by everyone yep. that's insanely high because you'll get some that are only reviewed by like eight publications and it ends up with a higher score but it's like that's you know quantity over quality yep. you know is is an argument on metacritic your boy the needle drop anthony fantano gave it a 9 out of 10 glad to hear it see he's one of the a, few times we've been on the same page he's a guy where like you can hate him all the time and i usually like am really i get kind of mad about a lot of his reviews but when he comes through for you you're like all right uh, cuz yeah. he's strident <laughs> oh, he, yeah. he comes yeah. on these reviews and like will rip something <laughs> right. or really really like it and he'll Make a ton of good points. And when I saw he gave it a 9, I was like, all right, in this case, I agree with you, so you're good. awesome. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's always how it goes. That's how I feel about Pitchfork, too. Me, too. Well, yeah. I feel affirmed in my opinion. Like, if they had given it in the 9s, I would have been like, yep, I Hell was yeah. right. <laughs> I was right, so were they. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. a great album. We're all in accordance. Anyone who thinks otherwise <laughs> is wrong. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. No, I didn't mean this. I meant move on no i understand yeah. but actually it's a good segue to move on because we have a lot else to talk we about we do a lot of a lot of hot thoughts this week yeah so we're going to do kind of a roundup of some of the other albums that have come out in the past 2 3 weeks that we've been into other than father john because last week that's all we got to talk about i think a good place to start is uh future islands future the islands. far field yeah new album the far field this is the follow up to singles yeah. which was their breakthrough album um so when I was hearing the first single from this, which is Ran, I was thinking, yeah, this is this is fine. This is good. Like Future Islands, yeah. And I can't say I was overly excited for this to come out to be honest with you, which feels weird cuz I was so into Future Islands when singles came out. I listened to all those albums, loved it, couldn't get enough. Then all of a sudden I just wasn't interested in Future Islands anymore. Or it's been three years. Yeah, it's been a while. I feel like I had listened to all of that stuff, and I like got it. Uh, so I wasn't super excited for a new Future Islands album. I was like, oh, there's Father John coming out. There's yeah. all this other stuff. It, honestly, it came out on the wrong day Yeah, to yeah. get any attention. It came out on like the exact wrong day. But I got to say, once I started listening to this album, I was very pleasantly surprised with what I ended up finding. This reminds me a lot of... On the Water, their album that preceded singles, it's not as outwardly poppy. It more is like there's a vibe and a feel to it. Um, And I think that's more so the true Future Islands than what singles represented. Uh, So this feels more in line with what On the Water is. And if you liked that or you liked some earlier Future Islands, I think you'll really like this too. People who got way into singles and especially... Love Seasons, um, I don't know that you'll find this as enjoyable, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. I've been really, really loving it. Or, or I, okay, I, I think love is a strong word. I've been greatly enjoying it. Um, I think I agree with what you said where um, it has a vibe of like pre-singles Future Islands, which I have gotten into less so than you, but have listened to all, or at least on the water. And what's the other one? Uh, um, if you were a true fan, Jake, you would know. I this. can't remember the name. What's um, the name? It's in Evening Air. 
Did that? Ju- did you just have to look it up? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I, I swear to God, I did. Because it looked no. like you were buying time, and I was like, that would be a smart no. move to buy time. No, by no, like, no, no. I, I did not have to just look it up. By throwing shade at me. Uh, it's in Evening Air. No, I have no, I have no problem admitting that you... That's my favorite album by them. ...became a bigger fan of Future Islands than I ever was. But uh, singles I did love. But I actually would say that... Um, Having listened to this album a bunch now, I, I'm really enjoying it. I think Aladdin is a great mm. song. Also, a, a hilarious name for a song. I just think Aladdin and all the imagery that that like invokes is so yeah. funny to me. It, yeah. Um, Ran, Cave, I, Ancient Water, I really like. What's the other one? Through, Through the Roses. Through the Roses is up there. Yeah. Um, I think that like it's kind of bread and butter Future Islands. Oh, it's not, very much. They're not doing anything where they're going to blow you out of the water. And and completely like they're not changing their sound up in any big no. way at all. Honestly, I think as popular as singles was, I think the dirty secret about Future Islands is that none of their albums are gonna ever blow you away. No, right. Like singles, if you go back and listen and you remove that from some of the hype, it's maybe their third best album. I know that you feel that way. I actually have to disagree based on my experience because having gone back and listened to in in Evening Air and on the Water. I, I never was able to latch to those as much mm, as it seems you were. I Seasons was my favorite yeah. of the three, and it's not because... Singles. Singles. Wow. With Seasons wow. on. really showing your true colors here as a quote-unquote fan. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's fair for you to throw shade there. I But I will say, and I was, actually, this was something I was going to text you at some point, where I, was, I had listened to, again, those albums, and I was going to shoot you a text and be like, I still think... That I I like singles best, and I've always felt a certain shame about that because I got the impression that that's the wrong take. It's not no, it's not wrong. But it's, it's like the wrong the, take. But I you mean, know how honestly a lot of a lot of people say on the waters their best. Um, mine's in evening air. Yours is singles. You know, I, I think if you chose any one of those, you that's an acceptable answer. I'm I'm just saying. A lot of people also have the perception, though, that singles is, like, their crowning achievement. Where it's like, no, like, you know, there's two other albums that are as good, a lot of people say, are better. Are better, depending on where you're sitting. And for me, Future Islands was honestly never a band where I was, like, I had a ton of stock in. Yeah. That album, Singles, came out at a time where I was really... Like it was just like kind of perfect for where I was at. Mm-hmm. I was graduating college. I don't know. I just it was spring. It kind of felt right, mm-hmm. and I really fell in love with that album. And I've gone back to the rest of their catalog, but I never. I don't know. I never became what I would call a Future Islands fan, like a true fan. Yeah. For, for, so for me, it was similar. Where I got into singles, I was like, "This is this is awesome. I'm going to check out the other stuff too." There's and so I many got good songs on there. Swept up into that same feeling of it's warm out. This is great spring summertime music. Saw them at Boston Calling. Saw them live another time. Uh, so it was that whole process of getting into a band and having that same passion for the that first album you heard be transferred to those other ones too and i listened to those you know just as much as i ended up listening to singles yeah i never did just as much but i think the thing is is i feel i listened to them a fair like Mm -hmm. like i gave them a fair chance in my mind to like surpass it and i don't know it just never happened and i think what it honestly is is that Future Islands for me is a kind of more a time and place band, mm. and that's why singles will like for me always be my yeah. favorite because it, it has a real sentimental value. Yeah, this guy Sam, the lead singer of Future Islands, has a voice like no other. That's true. No it's one true. sings like him, even remotely, or like writes lyrics like him. No, right? They and, they, tra- they go from being very specific 
about certain things to very broad where you can attach almost anything to them. I really like that, though. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, overall, yeah, I think this is really good. It's worth a listen if you like Future yeah, Oh, definitely, definitely. It's not going to be, you know, in my top five at the end of the year, probably, but no. it's definitely good... I've been listening quite a bit, especially with the warm weather we've been having, so I've been really enjoying that. And quickly, before we move on, how about Debbie Harry? Yeah. Having a, uh, what's the word, a feature on this album. Shadows! Yeah, showing up on the um, second-to-last track, yeah. the penultimate cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty yeah. impressive get for Future Islands. It is. It is. Uh, a, they used they had Jen Wozner from Wyoke on... Right. On the water, and I was reading a review where they're like, Future Islands is at the point now where they can trade in, yeah. like, Jen Wozner for Debbie Harry. I was like, right. yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. it's like, you know what? An interesting argument, and then let's move on, is like, what's actually more interesting? Jen Wozner on her ascent, or Debbie Harry years Cash past, yeah, years past yeah. her prime? Just What I like about it is that she must have, I imagine the conversation was probably like, She's like, who is this Future I, Islands right. band? Like, I'm interested in them. And right. then she, like, went and, like, what is that, like, recording? That can't be, like, a normal feel in the studio. No, because you're pandering to them. Yeah. And I feel like the song, that's not one of my favorite songs on no. there. So I don't think it's as good as it maybe could have been. Yeah. I wonder, I always wonder how that works where it's, like, what songs do they want to give to her? Like, because yeah. you know they probably had a bunch written and they must have known it's like, well, maybe we don't put her on Ran. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Like, where is the, uh, that's an interesting thing. Is like, is the logic there? Put this this sort of um, washed up but very famous singer, <laughs> right. put her on one of the hits to make it a super hit if that works. Because right. there's a risk. Or throw her kind of back half of the album. I think back half. I think what they did was correct. Because you still get the attention for it, but it's low stakes. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, So speaking of warm weather music, this next one, big time warm weather band, White Reaper, with their new album, The World's Best American Band. So this is a straight up throwback to like 70s rock and roll, Thin Lizzy style crunchy riffs. This reminds me a lot of Sheer Mag, actually. Yeah. It's like Sheer Mag with a male singer. It's like Sheer Mag with more reverb and echo and yeah. just like more stadium, yeah. like stadium rock tropes. And th- this is such a fun, feel-good album. It's so enjoyable to listen to. It's just like, if you enjoy just distorted guitar riffs and like super catchy, straight-up rock songs... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, this is, it's, I don't even think this is tongue in cheek. This is real rock, like, of that era. And I think they take it seriously or they have fun with it. It's kind of done with a wink, maybe, but it's not satire. Right, right. So, a couple things on this. First of all, I love, like you said, that they're being completely serious about this. When they call themselves the world's best American band, I I honestly think they kind of, like, believe it. Yeah, because I think their mentality is like, whatever bands you people like better aren't a real rock band. Like, we are. <laughs> right, yeah. And to be honest with you, I, I can't totally say that I can think of a band that, other than like someone like Sheer Mag, who can really compete with them in no. terms of like this type of sound. No, you don't hear this anymore. No. And the other, like, on the first song, the album kicks out with like piped in crowd noise. Yeah, which <laughs> is awesome. Like, yeah, and it's so over the top. It is done with a little bit of a wink, though, which I right. like. Uh, and the songs really, really hold up here. They're so catchy. You don't hear riffs like this or like guitar solos or things right. like that at all anymore. Um, I think you you had an interesting take yesterday or today when we were texting 
about how this actually got like really good reviews. Yeah, on Pitchfork it got an eight. Yeah, and I was thinking about the fact that a band like this, I really think, would have gotten just destroyed by critics 10, 15 years ago. And I don't know. I That's maybe not necessarily true because there was some of the garage rock stuff going on. Bands like, I don't know how the Hives did and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They're kind of a band in this vein, I think, where higher energy, more just straight up rock and roll. But you look at a band like Jet, and I'm not saying Jet was some great band. I mean, like middle school Jake thought Jet was a great <laughs> band. And I still like some of those songs. But they were a band where they were kind of a similar thing. They were like, we're just going to rock with no irony and we're going to play riffs, and we're going to use distorted guitars, and we're going to sing tried-and-true type of melodies, and we're going to kind of style ourselves after ACDC and after all these great bands. And I think that right now there's a cultural moment where people feel ready for it. So, I th- yeah, I think I think there's a couple nuances to the way that a band like Jet is received yeah. and a band like White Reaper is received. First of all... Jet is positioned as this huge pop band, though. They're not, like... They are, like, made to be played on the radio and be big stars like they were. They're That's how they're, like, manufactured. That's how it comes... Even if that's not the case, even if they're just like, hey, man, we're trying to play music, it's like, yeah. But the way you're positioned to music critics and fans or, like, serious music fans, that's how you come across, and that's probably one of the reasons why... You're panned. Someone like White Reaper, this feels very grassroots, like we're just playing music because we love this type of music. And you see a lot of critics like Ian Cohen and Stephen Hyde and really running with that, especially because rock music, like we've talked about many times, is kind of in this lull right now. So yep. like we gotta prop this up. We and gotta that, prop up a band like this. And actually part of what I'm that actually gave a different angle on what I'm saying, because like in a way, now there's not much demand. There's no market for bands like this. Like a band like Jet now, I think would be getting better reviews. I don't know why Jet has to be a part of it, but the right. thing is, is like in the early 2000s, there was this boon of garage rock, yeah. and and that's kind of what they cashed in on. And that was a, a, not only a critical success and a critical moment, but it was also like popular. Bands like that were popular. Right now, when we're in this lull, you need critics to bump this shit up. Right. To try to get it more right. popular because there's really no platform for these bands. What I compare that jet thing to is in the 90s when the first grunge people died off, like the Nirvana's, Pearl Jam's, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden of the World. That sound was uh, appropriated by bands like creed yep. and matchbox 20 and they made it safe to play on the radio yep. Even, i mean those other ones obviously got radio play but this was just like we're gonna take all the pop elements of that and just do do our own thing with it that is the jet is the garage rock equivalent that took the strokes and white stripes and interpol and all those bands it was like we're just gonna do the pop version of this and that's why i think they get shit on i totally agree that's why they got trashed but i um Sean, I think you're discounting the fact that they had a song called Cold Hard Bitch. So, oh, a little edgy. Yeah, so, you know, kind of not exactly radio-friendly there, bud, <laughs> all right? Um, no, and I think the Jet was just the first band that came to mind. Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, a band right now that takes themselves this seriously... Like do they though? I don't I, know like, that they do. They're piping in crowd noise, I get, like, and they're calling their album the world's best American band. Well, I don't know that they're taking themselves that seriously. But they they're serious about being a rock band. Yeah, and part yeah, of being yeah. a rock band is being over the top, being yeah, funny with right. it. Bands like Van Halen and stuff like that. There was humor to that. Yes, like Hot for Teacher, all that right. shit. Like the bands that they're positioning themselves after, 
all had a winking sense of humor yeah. as well about it. So what I mean is they're serious about doing this. Right. They're serious about being this band. And they know the humor that comes with it, I think. I th- and we're, I just think that it's interesting that I wonder how this would have been taken in the early 2000s. I think it would have been taken in a different way. Yeah, it probably would have been. But, I mean, yeah, it probably would have been. Maybe that's not true. We'll never know because it's coming out now. Yeah. So it's, like, it's <laughs> right, not even really right. worth dis- discussing. One honestly. last thing on this. What this kind of reminds me of, not necessarily the sound of it, the it reminds me of Whitney last year when that album came out because it got a similar amount of critical love yeah. where it was like critics really liked it but it felt not not completely like a critical darling it was like there were critics who were yeah. talking about it right. but not everyone was white reaper feels the same both are like half hour long they're both channeling this 70s sound of rock music although Whitney's is a little bit different than this is it's a great warm weather album, very easy and fun to listen to. This feels like the 2017 edgier, gruffer Whitney. Well, because they both harken back to older sounds. Mm-hmm. Like Whitney was that sort of, they kind of do almost a 70s California soft rock sound, right. whereas White Reaper is doing, like you said, like a Thin Lizzy, ACDC, that kind of band, like power chords yep. and, and just riffs. I saw some interview where Stephen Hyden asked them, he tweeted it. It was some long question about rock and roll dying in the culture it was like it was you know classic like <laughs> yeah. uh, Thing, st- things critics things critics love right things critics love and like a very long wordy question and he tweeted he was like this is the perfect answer to an oh, over rock question and the answer was like rock's just about like playing riffs and having fun with your buds man it was something <laughs> yeah, like that that's right. yeah. and so like yeah I guess there you could say they're not taking it overly seriously right, right. which I point. appreciate we need more of that bands like this White Reaper Sheer Mag. There's been a couple other ones that have come out this year that... Oh, Creeper. Creeper. Creeper and White Reaper, Yeah, little rhyme, are both more over the top than Sheer Mag. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sheer Mag in sound is kind of um, Yeah. So, yeah, it's more like that Creeper thing where it's like, we are going for a certain thing where maybe you can't tell if we're totally serious or not. I am loving that type of band or music now where when you live in that area between completely serious and winking at the audience right. knowing what you're doing I'm all about that well it's earnest which is not something we're used to and because we're coming off this long era of just like the eye roll rock mm. where everything's ironic and everything's mm-hmm. blah and everything you know and so I actually wonder if you're white reaper or you're creeper one of those two bands which one of them do you think is more serious? Is taking themselves more seriously yeah, th- and I, believes what they're selling more? I think it's Creeper. Yeah, I think it's Creeper. I think it's which creeper makes me like hair. them a little less. I don't care. No, dude, honestly, that album has only continued to grow on Oh, me. no, I, I like the album. Yeah. I'm saying, like, Creeper as a thing, I yeah. can't totally get behind. No, I'm not, like, they're, they're like a teenage band. Yeah. They're not really <laughs> marketing for us. Like, we're not going to, I'm not going to be walking around with, like, a Creeper t-shirt. I like the music. fucking R.L. Stein Goosebumps letters. <laughs> right. But uh, but give give White Reaper a listen, listeners. Definitely, definitely. Um, if you're into a hard rockin' sound. Speaking of hard rockin' <laughs> sounds, Sean, I know you had... Oh, um, you know, yeah. You I'd wanted, one of, I'd one of, okay, I had one of my finest... Tweets, uh, not tweet storms, text storms to you. You did. I was about to, by the way, do an office buzz speak and say Sean wanted to share his perspective oh, okay. on Diet Sig. Okay, Diet Sig, new album came out this past week. It's called Swear I'm Good at This. I have a joke about that a little bit later. Um, I can see where it might be going. 
swear I'm bad at this. Uh, anyways, so Pitchfork comes out with a review. They give it a 5.1. They It's a pretty scathing review uh, of this album. Um, and if you're not familiar with Diet Sig, they play in this indie kind of pop punkish genre sound type of thing. Think Frankie Cosmos, think Allison Crutchfield, think that whole sound. Female lead singer kind of talking about like New York City problems or whatever is happening in your life there. So I gave this a listen because I saw I was getting some decent buzz. Um, I listened to it and like three songs in, I was like, wait a minute. This album's not very good. And I started texting Jake about it, just all the things that I thought were were wrong with it. This was even before I had read that Pitchfork review. Did you not know that it got I a bad d- I review? I didn't know it got a 5.1. Turns out, Pitchfork gives it a bad review, and it creates a shitstorm on Twitter in that whole community yep. where they're saying that the Pitchfork review is anti-feminist, it's misogynistic, it's personal... It's going after the band in in a way that goes beyond just normal music criticism. And really, like, this whole Twitter army got on top of Pitchfork, which, granted, you know, sometimes Pitchfork deserves that. Well, we I, were... think, I think maybe in this case, sometimes they might deserve it in this case, too, based on the way that review was written. Did you read it? I didn't read the review. I know okay. it was pretty vicious. I saw some excerpts. And the thing is, the thing I wanted to kind of discuss is there's sort of two factions here because you have the Twitter army on the side of sort of the punk indie DIY scene in defense of Diet Sig. And there's a lot going on on Twitter there. There's a lot of embedded politics in that scene that can be a little overwhelming from time to time. Then you have music critic Twitter. And on our listening podcast Twitter feed... We've got kind of a foot in both. We right. follow some people from both scenes, and music critic Twitter can be equally annoying, which brings me to the point of how we were annoyed by people who were shitting on Father John Misty right. Right. and acting like it was just right. So there's kind of these two extremes where you have one side, it's musicians who, if you call out anything they do, it's, you know, it, they kind of will turn the, your own words against you, sort of. And right. then you have music critic Twitter where they sort of have this absolutist. Always correct stance. Both are kind of annoying. So, there's yeah, there's two sides to this argument here. All of the people in the music scene were like, "This is completely unfair to the band." All of the music critics were like, "It's a bad review. Like they can review it however they want." And Haydn had a great tweet where he was like, "Look, this is the reason why you don't see any bad reviews anymore because this becomes news when there's a bad review, yeah. and the writer gets killed on the internet." So I was like, well, yeah, why would you do a bad review? People were calling it anti-feminist, but the the writer was She's a, woman. a woman. and a feminist. Yeah, and so that's part of the it, weird so thing to me. Here is my issue with all those scene people who got all up in arms about this. If you have a problem with the, I guess, the what you perceive to be an anti-feminist or misogynistic message of the review... Okay, that's fine. I can see that. But also, don't act like the... Uh, I'm trying to say this in like a diplomatic way. Right. Like, the songs aren't there. It, it, the songs aren't good. And just because the songs aren't good doesn't mean that, like, scene values are going to prop them up. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I think- like, I understand that you're, you're going for this message and you're going for this empowered thing, but... 
People like Frankie Cosmos, Allison Crutchfield, other people who do this exact same sound do it a lot better than you do, Diet Sig. And I like just because you're on this platform that is very important, your songs don't really hold up and don't necessarily do your your message justice, I guess. Right. And that, that's my whole issue with it. It's like the songs need to be there. At the end of the day, like I don't care how good your message is. Like perfect example last year, Anthony's album. Um, filled with all sorts of great political messages, global warming, you know, like war in Iraq, stuff, transgender, drones, issues. transgender issues, all very important. I thought that album sucked because the songs sucked, in my opinion. Right. I feel the same way as this. Frankie Cosmos, awesome album. I love that sound when it's done right. This honestly feels like it's riding on the coattails of that sound and just not doing it as well. I feel I sort of am torn in two different ways on on this discussion when it comes to critics because on the one hand I see their value and like we're sort of doing that right now because we're just talking about music and I think it can be interesting to think about it ex- like if you're not going to play music you still might want to think about it and write about it and care about it in an external way um I've always felt uncomfortable with especially vicious reviews um written really negatively that go after the band but one thing that bothers me though is when people rally around the thing about that scene specifically that bothers me is it seems like they think members of sort of like the different bands that make up that scene think that they're, they're all their shit doesn't stink right they can't and, do any wrong and they're all up to they like cuz and that's i think where the critic is an important role because yeah. you have this sort of a circle jerk going on Five, ten bands all playing music, and they're all telling each other they're great. They're you know telling each other they can do no wrong. All promoting each other, being like right. this is the best shit I've ever heard. It's right, like, and they're all saying that all these albums are great. And as a music listener with any financial interest, like if you're going to try to buy an album or go see a band, I mean sometimes you need music writers to say mm-hmm. like, hey, this band is doing great stuff right now. This other one not so much. So I, I don't know. I'm torn in both ways because especially negative reviews always. Kind of, they kind of rub me the wrong way because sometimes it does. And I didn't read this one, so I don't really know the contents. But I know that really, really negative reviews sometimes can just feel like this music writer who had nothing to do with the creative process and didn't try, like, is just kind of shitting on something that they couldn't do in a way. Yeah. And so sometimes I I get that side, but I don't know. I'm really, like, I'm torn on it. I know what you mean. And I I also know what you mean about that scene sometimes where, honestly, you know, like you said, we have a foot in kind of both, and we see a lot of the conversation that happens with both. I get fucking exhausted with both of them. I I honestly can't, sometimes can't stand either extreme of it where, like you said, it's the circle jerk that happens between all these bands. That really annoys me. Or just the complete opposite on the critical side where it's like no this is trash and i say so so that's the end of it but also so this review i'm reading it and a lot of it is harsh like there's some some snippets here like this one uh as in diet sig their songs read like hollow vampiric feminist messages like some of the some of this stuff is pretty over the top diet sig are the heavy-handed musical equivalent of the pussy hat a well-meaning feminist gesture that lacks all nuance. Right. Yeah. So yes, is this maybe a little over the top? Yeah. I trust tree moment for me right here. I I would not have put my criticism in this context or in said it in that wording at all. Um and didn't even think of it that way. 
the sentiment that they're going for, I, I agree with in this context where, like, yeah, the songs have a fine message, the music isn't there, and it's not as good as other people with that same exact sound that are just making better albums. And I go, I go back to the point where just because you have a good message and you have goodwill in the scene doesn't mean your music's actually good. I'm sorry. Like, and I don't like this album. I thought a lot of the lyrics just came across as like kind of whiny and yeah. like stereotypical to what you would hear. It honestly felt like a parody at times of this type of sound. And I listened once just because your description and some of the negative reviews I'd seen about it, I kind of felt like I had to. And I didn't listen as much for lyrics. I listened just to see what was going on. And to be honest with you, I, I thought it was kind of boring. And I, like again, it feels like we're piling on to this band, and that's this is that's my point about sometimes when negativity on a band like Diet Sig, where like they're not they're not a too big to fail band. Like when it right. happens to the Chainsmokers, they fine, they deserve it because fuck those guys right, too. Fuck they're like em. shitty people. Yeah, I, like I the, the people in Diet Sig seem like nice people. Right. If it's gonna happen to Coldplay, a band I even like, yeah. or you know one of these. Too big to fail. Like they're not going to he- really hear any of that or care. They'll be counting their millions. Yeah, like, it doesn't if it, matter. If it's going to happen to an industry band, fine. When it happens to like the little guy, and they put on an album that I don't like, I don't really like. I sometimes I just sympathize when shit is piling yeah. on yeah. to them. Yeah, and so to see, I think that's what it is for me. Is sometimes it's like, but I agree with you. I I didn't find anything really to enjoy. And I didn't listen to the lyrics that much. I thought it was kind of bland, boring music. That that was my whole problem with it. Like, take out all of the the gender politics, the the feminist message, everything. I just don't think the music is very good. I'm sorry. Like, no. if that makes me a bad person, or if that makes me like, oh my god, you're an evil misogynist because you don't like the music. That that's honestly how that scene starts to come across sometimes. It's like if you don't think this is the best band ever, like we all do, you're fucking wrong. And like. You're you're evil, right? And it, it's it goes back to sort of sometimes on both sides of stuff like this when you're too far to one extreme, you can't you lose sight of the fact that people can have two thoughts at right, once right. that are seemingly opposed, but when you break it down, are not really opposed. Right? Like we cannot like a band like Diet Sig and still believe in feminist issues right. and still believe in all the stuff that they sing about or represent. Right. Um, same about like liking an artist who has shitty. Right. Stuff in their past. Right. Or, or like like Kanye West, who's kind of a prick. Right. It seems. And I still really like him. Exactly. There's like there's some people can't separate some of that stuff. And that is what exhausts me about that whole Twitter echo chamber, where it's like one little thing like that, you get stereotyped as this type of person. Where it's like, no, people are more nuanced and have different thoughts than just this one thing that you're pegging them as. Well, it exists on both sides because like there's the circle jerk going on in the little music scene, oh, abs- the DIY yeah. scene, and then there's the circle jerk going on in the music De- critic scene. Like definitely. last week when we were, I sent Sean a picture, uh, a, a tweet of Ian Cohen had retweeted Jeremy Gordon, whose tweet was, I like Father John Misty, but I don't like this album very much. So just try to follow me here, listeners. Jeremy Gordon tweets this. Ian Cohen retweets it and adds a little bit more saying, this is the correct take. Which Jeremy Gordon then retweets. So he, so he ba- basically retweeted himself. He quote t- he quote tweeted a quote tweet of his tweet, <laughs> like four <laughs> tweets after he tweeted it. So try saying yeah. that sentence five times fast. First of all, but second, 
Is there any more patting each other on the back you could possibly do? <laughs> no. And I've seen more and more music critics on Twitter. They'll come out and they'll like quote tweet someone else's thing and share a link. They'll be like, you know, this person did a great job yeah. with this. They did an excellent review. It's like, is it that excellent? I, all this seems to be coming from a place of insecurity. Yeah. I think more so with the music Twitter side where they're like, I feel marginalized because there's all these little scenes popping up that don't need us to validate them. So we're going to just close ranks even more and prop up ourselves and our opinions and make other people feel like they're not smart enough to understand. It's a very, I think it's a very defensive move by them. When, dude, I, like, obviously I never was at the level of a professional music critic, but I've written a lot of album reviews, like in college, and when we had the, the blog, you wrote mm-hmm. some, I wrote some. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I, I kind of know what it takes to write a review and it's it's honestly there's not a lot like there's not a lot of ways you can go with it right you kind of have hard. to you have to latch onto a narrative yeah. and and try to explain why you like the music through that narrative yeah and there's all these different little phrases and ways yeah. that music critics explain stuff like for example and I'm not shitting on it but Ian Cohen when he was talking about um White Reaper <laughs> In the description of the review, it said, like, and there's more riffs than you can fit in the trunk of an El Camaro or something. Camaro, yeah. And it's like, that's such music critic speak. <laughs> right. That's su- there's there's this language that they all understand, and it's in the echo chamber. You're allowed to say it, and mm-hmm. it, like everyone gets a pat on the back. There's, like, these heavy-handed metaphors mm-hmm. and this sort of goofy language that goes on with music critics. And it just it can be boring and, and just, like, kind of annoying. And I see why people don't like them and get so frustrated with them. We st- I mean, we started the show saying how frustrated we were with Pitchfork for not giving what we thought Father John Misty exactly. deserved in his score. We're doing exactly what that DIY indie scene is doing with Diet Sig yeah. on a lesser scale. We're not like launching a, a Twitter assault on them. Oh, you haven't been following my Twitter then, <laughs> have you? No, but we aren't. But I, I mean, this is the internet in 2017. This is what happens when you dig your heels in, when you live in a Twitter echo chamber, yep. and what you see on your newsfeed, you take as the only point of view that is correct and that could possibly anyone else could think and when you see something that opposes that you lose your goddamn mind right. and like that i think i don't care who you're talking about liberal uh conservative you know feminist anti-feminist music critter uh muse m- holy shit <laughs> Dude, music critic do you want to my brain just like broke music critter Music, music, I still can't say it. <laughs> music critic. Okay. Any t- it doesn't matter who you are. If you dig your heels in and you are only seeing your point of view, you're going to think the other person's crazy. Like, there's a lot of viewpoints out there. Try and see what they are, I guess, and be accepting of them. That That's what my big takeaway from this is. Yeah, and I realize the way this might come across where it's like, these two guys talking on this podcast have positioned themselves as this like these grand arbiters <laughs> yes, who understand yes. both sides. These mediators. Yeah, yeah, these mediators who are like, come on, everybody, like <laughs> stop being so entrenched. Just, just see all the points of view like we do. We're so wise. Yeah, we we see all the points of view and then see above them and understand them <laughs> and then have a more nuanced one. When in reality, like we probably don't know more than anyone. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't. 
That's a lot on that. You Diet to... Sig, yeah, for an album that I've listened to once and like, and that's the whole thing about this, which is interesting, is like it has created this whole news cycle yeah. that isn't really about the music anymore. That's the more interesting thing than the music. That's yeah. the more interesting yeah. thing to me yeah. than the album is like this discussion it sort of spawned. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's do a couple quick hits here on some other albums that have come out recently. Uh, Kelly Lee Owens. This is one I don't think we had mentioned before. It's been out for like a month, right? Yeah, it's been out about a month. This is like a dream pop ambient electronic album. with. Uh, it's got like some female vocals. Think Jenny Haval, that album that came out last year, but like more, a little more accessible, a little more poppy. She actually guests on one of the tracks, so it's she, right in that wheelhouse. She does. This album has been a great one that I'll just pop on. Um, I haven't had a phase where, like, in one week I listen to ton. But no, what'll happen either. is, like, I just know it's there. And then when I'm doing homework or I'm doing yes, reading or great, something, great work album. I'll throw on Kelly Lee Owens. Kelly Lee Owens is that her name? Yeah, yeah Kelly Lee. I said it, and music, it sounded music critters. Yeah, it sounded wrong coming out. And so I'll throw it on, and it's just slowly worked its way in. Like I love the, the song "Keep Walking" is probably my favorite, um, but I also love that song Eight. And I'm trying to remember what the there's like Arthur, which is the second track. Uh, what's the one that you said was your favorite? Th- throwing something, throwing lines. Yeah, yeah, throwing lines. That's a really good one with some cool vocals on it. This yeah. is a good one to listen to if you if you want to listen to something while you're doing something else, and you'll be able to kind of still focus on what's going on yes, with, with whatever media but, you're taking in yeah, elsewhere. Yeah, but you'll be able to enjoy it. Uh, another one that came out, this came out, what, back in March, I think? Um, which one are we talking Remo about? Remo Drive? Yeah, so uh, Remo Drive is like an, kind of an emo punk type of band. Big friend of the pod, Kevin, showed me um, one of the songs, You're Killing Me. And so this is an album that I really took to over the past few days I've come to realize that I think what's going on here is that there's like a really strong first third and last third of the album. The middle's a little weak in my opinion, mm-hmm. but there's some of my favorite rock songs of the year are on this. Like I think You're Killing Me and Art School are two of my favorite just rock songs I've heard. They have really catchy vocal hooks, and I like what they're doing with the guitars and stuff. <clears throat> um, and so I recommended this to Sean, and... I was not surprised with what his reaction was. You, I think it's fair for you to say. What yeah, so I, I saw Jake listening to this. He recommended it. I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds cool. It sounds like something I'd be into. Checked it out. I listened through once, and it, it was fine. I didn't, I didn't dislike it at all. I was like, yeah, this is right in that emo, pop-punk, punk kind of sound that we've been listening to a lot over the last year. Didn't love it. Di- didn't feel compelled to go and listen to it again, though. Uh, and I think we we learned two things from this. The first one that we've noticed this year is when so, one of us recommends something to the other person, we've seen a trend of the other person not liking it as much or not taking to it as much, not having that emotional connection like the first person did. For me, it's not always that you don't have an emotional connection. It's that you feel a pressure to like it. And this isn't just us. I'm sure there are other friends or people who've recommended something to someone else really hoping they'll like it. And being the recipient of that, for me, I'm like, I know I I should like this, like Sean likes this, or one of my other friends really likes this. So I want to try to like it. And that kind of weighs on me while I'm listening. Mm. And sometimes I can't see, sort of see the forest for the trees, yeah. some, like with an album. Yeah. Um, but I understand why you might feel that way because I think the second issue we're going to talk about is some fatigue with the emo sound. Yeah. For example, um, 
Kevin and big friend of the pod, Josh, they were in on that Mom Jeans album. Right. And I didn't dislike it. I listened to it once, and I never fell in love with it. It's almost like what happened with you with Remote Drive. Yeah. Where I sort of just, for some reason, am hooked to some of the stuff that's going on there. And then when burdened with the pressure of like other people I know like this, that's what happened to me with mom, yeah. with mom Jeans. I was like, oh, like this is getting a ton of buzz. I listened once. I was like, yeah, it, like, it's good. I don't know. Is it great? Is it something I'm going to return to right. all the time? I'm not sure. Right. I wonder what that is. <sighs> yeah, I, I'm. I think I am feeling a little burnout um, overexposure to that sound because it was it was the big storyline of last year. You know, there's a lot of bands who are doing that. Really, really, they're doing it really well too. Yeah. And I feel like on the wave of that, you're seeing a lot of other bands who are continuing to do that, but maybe aren't doing it as well. Well, or it it has we're just seeing more of them yeah. now because yeah. we're like our eyes are open to some of that right. emo scene. Whereas before, I would have written it off totally. Yeah. Honestly, before the last year and a half, I would have always written any band like this off. That's that's a good point too. So I, I think it's a combination of the pressure of the recommendation from another person on top of a little bit of fatigue of that sound. Um, because if I want to listen to that sound. I'm probably just going to listen to one of those ones that I already know I love. Right. And that's fair. It's fair. I just, something with this album, I don't know what it is. I think it's the sound of the singer's voice. He has like this kind of grit to it that you don't always hear. Um, And I I mean, I don't think they're doing anything really that is out of this world exceptional. Right. I just really like four or five songs on this album. I'm going to go back and listen to those songs and just pick those out uh, and see if I like those a bit more. Yeah. 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 See how it goes. Uh, another quick hit here, Passion Pit, came out with a new album. It was actually a couple weeks ago. Tremendous Sea of Love. That's such a Passion Pit album title name. It is. It's uh, it's like Sea of Love, the national song, but tremendous. It's tremendous, yeah. So Michael Angelicos, uh, big, um, wants to propel the conversation about mental health a lot. So he gave this album out for free on Twitter to anyone who... Like retweeted him or like donated to something. I don't remember. Sean, is it bad that I didn't even know that? No, until no. This morning? No, it's not. No, that's not bad. I remember seeing that happen. But I, I got to be honest with you, Passion Pit has been diminishing returns for years yep. for me, and I was just like, I don't have the energy to like seek this out or care too much until today, where I finally listened, and you know what? Better than I expected it to be. Yeah, I gave it a, my first listen today as well, and I, I was hit with a couple things. One, I was pleasantly surprised. And two, I remembered that every time I listen to Passion Pit, I'm pleasantly surprised. That's what always happens. Because yeah, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, oh, I've kind of passed them by. Because you gotta, like, the thing to understand is, like, Sleepyhead came out when I was a senior in high school, when we were seniors in high school. And it was a big thing for me then. And then I liked Gossamer a lot. And then from there, I kind of just sort of, you know, I kind of mm-hmm. lost interest in that mm-hmm. sound in general because it got so overdone. Mm-hmm. People were running the uh, Passion Pit, MGMT, Synth Pop. Phoenix. Yeah. Which then turned into, who's that other one? Like Empires of the Sun or something right. like that? That's been a huge thing. Funny funny fact, we listened to this on YouTube, and there was a comment that's like, I, it was like this like dude, he's like in his 40s or something. He was like, I don't know about you guys, but this type of music is awesome. He's like, I love MGMT. Phoenix, Empires of the Sun, and Passion Pit. I was like, yeah, dude, you and every other like basic bitch who is like a senior in high school. Well, and that dude was existing in 2009 right. when that was like the biggest thing. And so in my mind, I always kind of write them off. I'm going to go back to this. I think I'm going to go back a few times because I there were like a, 
probably three, four, five songs that really stuck out. I just need this to be on Spotify. Me too, because I'm a prisoner to Spotify. Yeah, me too. They got me by the balls. And, Sean, we both want our plays to count on Last that's, FM. Dude, that's become a huge thing for me. Yeah, me you too. know who you asked me the other day? Have you been listening to Father John Misty? Because uh, I got the CD. Yeah. Like, have you been listening in the car? I said, no, it's just been Spotify. I didn't have the heart to admit it to you. Some of that is because I want the plays to count on Last FM. I want to keep track of all of my listens. I want to look back at the end of the year and be like, "Oh, I listened to to Father John Misty like a thousand and six times." It's a it's a trust tree moment there yeah. because I think for a lot of people that sounds crazy, but I do some of the yeah, same I need stuff. Those stats. You got to have the stats. You need that big data. <laughs> That's right. Uh, another quick quick hit. New Pornographers came out with a new album last week called Whiteout Conditions. Um, the song Whiteout Conditions is probably the best thing on here. It's the lead single. I think this is also fine. It is. It falls into that real estate and spoon competently boring area where it's like they're, they're a talented band. They're decent, good songwriters. They're putting out songs that are fine. It's just not their best work. I think if you really want to listen to... The new pornographers, you should check out Electric Version or Twin Cinema. This isn't really the place to start. And even if you're a fan, like, you're not missing a whole lot here. It's competently boring. So I have a trust tree for you that was going to come later in the segment, but do you not have one for this no, week? I just did. I just did a couple. Right. And so my trust tree is that I have really never listened to the new pornographers. I'm pretty sure I've listened to Electric Version, like, once. I think you gave it to me in high school. Yeah. Um, but I know that they're considered this sort of... St- Almost like indie supergroup yeah, in a way, yeah. Because Dan Behar is in the band and Nico like, Case, right? They have all the. It's like they're yep. they're well well known. I really have never even tried to get into them. Uh, so electric version's really good. I, it's short listen. It's like thirty four minutes. Like yep. there's some great like indie pop on there. Uh, I I would recommend checking it out. That's the one to listen to. Not necessarily whiteout conditions. I don't think anyone is super excited about it. A new new pornographers album in 2017. Like who? Right. Unless you're a diehard, this really isn't like anything to write home about. Okay, that's fair. It's yeah. fine, but you know, it's like it's definitely not bad. Not anything spectacular. So a couple quick hits. Um, also in more the ambient experimental um, scenes, we have Arca. I think oh, I'm gonna get it wrong. Is he Venezuelan, dude? I don't know. I I, <laughs> I don't know what I, this dude's deal I is. I feel bad, but I know he is from I think South or Central America. Um, he's like Spanish speaking, but it could be Brazilian. That's the thing is like I don't really totally know, so I'm probably coming across as really insensitive yeah. or like or ignorant. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, Arca is an artist who I've kind of been following for a few years. He had an album that came out. A few years ago, called Zen with an X. Yeah, I think, what 2015? I think? Yeah. yeah, and then last year or two years ago, it came out with Mutant, a full length. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah, I didn't listen to that much, but I jumped back in with this um, self-titled album. Really interesting stuff. It's it's another one that's good to listen to um, with stuff in the background. What were your thoughts? So I listened to one of the singles, singles if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, before this album came out, Pitchfork gave it a best new track, and I was like, oh, I'll check this out. I watched the video for it. I was pretty uncomfortable and honestly like a little scared at what I was seeing. I was like, what, A, what is this music? It's like in a different language and like very, this like wispy, but also like deep voice, different language, sounded demonic in a way, a little bit. Uh, Music video, don't even ask me what was going on in that music video. It was like, wow, I I don't even know. Everything about Arca is a little freaky. Yes. Because all... 
his album covers are scary. Yeah. Every single one, it's it, like is horrifying looking. Like the last one was like this devil that looked like a heart yeah, made out of dude, clay. That, was, that one was scary. The one before it looked like this like genie in like flowy sh- shirt, but it had boobs. Yeah. It was strange looking album art. And the music itself is eerie too. It's very eerie. So I listened to it. I was like, oh, that's not for me. I don't like that. I saw I got a Best New Music, the album, when it got reviewed. I was like, I, I should check this out. I should give it another chance. I wrote it off too soon. But I felt like, I never felt like listening to it yeah. when it came out. I was like, eh, I'm going to wait. I finally got around to listening to it this week, the day it was raining out. I was like, you know what? This is a good time to pop this on. Threw it on. Ended up liking it more than I thought I would. Um, it was definitely a little eerie. It does throw you off a little bit. It's not totally my thing, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I enjoy what he does with instruments. There's a certain Arca sound yeah. that I've come to notice over the past few albums. There's some instrumentation he does. I don't know how to explain it. It sounds like strings or like maybe it's the like piano strings. He it's a hallmark of his sound. It's like this high-pitched like weird Sound and I can never explain it, but it's it's in all his music. So Ark is worth checking out if if that interests you at all. Another one that's good, ambient music. This also got a Pitchfork Best New Music, and I decided to check it out because I thought it sounded interesting. It's this ambient compilation, compilation, uh, yeah, um, called Mono No Aware, and I'm not sure if that's actually how that's pronounced because I think Mono No Aware is in another language, so it might oh, okay. be Mono No Aware or something. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know. But, th- dude, like, honestly, because I know you've been getting more into ambient music. Yeah, yeah. This is worth a listen. This is, is it? it? Okay. Like, it's, it's long. It's an hour 16. But okay. it's uh, a representative of a bunch of up-and-coming ambient cool. producers. Okay. And I I really enjoy it. I've listened twice now, and it's really good for doing work. Okay. that That's good. And that that's the whole thing with me and ambient music, where if something like this comes out and it gets a really good review... I'm not clamoring to go listen right away where I'm like, oh, I have to listen. If I'm in a situation where I'm doing work and I feel like listening to ambient music, that's when I'll put it on. So maybe months down the road or whatever when I'm in that mode and I don't want to listen to like Eno or one of those other ambient albums, I'll probably throw this on. I'm not in any rush to do it. Though. Right, and there's a and because it's a various artists album, there's a good mix. There's some like really quiet, droney, almost more meditative yeah, ambient. Yeah. There's some stuff that I wouldn't call it, it's not abrasive or anything, but there's some where it deals more with voices, it sure, deals more yeah. with weird sounds. Um, so I've actually really been enjoying cool. this. I think it's worth checking out if anyone likes ambient stuff. Nice. Awesome. Uh, last one here for new music that came out. Frank Ocean came out with a new song, Biking, on his Blonded Radio show or whatever that he has. I'm going to be honest. I... I don't understand what that is. Dude, I... Is it an Drake, Apple radio Drake show? does this too. He, OVO Sound Radio or whatever. They basically just have their own radio stations and they'll sometimes debut music on it. Going back to our addiction to Spotify and having things n- neat and orderly and kept track of, I hate this shit. Yeah. Stop randomly releasing new songs on a radio station when you play it at like midnight on a Tuesday. I'm asleep. I'm not listening. I'm not subscribing to fucking Blonded Radio. I don't have Apple Music. I don't want to like work to track down your new song. What they should be doing, Sean, is they should be catering to us, yes. our demographic. Yes, thank you. Yes, they should absolutely be catering to 
uh, like white guys in New Hampshire yes. who just want to have their music in its place, right? Where we can access it, <laughs> right? And where we can get to it. That's right. Um, what did you think of biking? Because I, while I loved Chanel, I've listened to biking only twice. I'm not hooked by it really. I've only listened twice to. Two or three times. He's all right. Tyler, the creator's verse on it's pretty good. Honestly, my favorite part, believe it or not, is the Jay-Z part at the beginning where it's very, very minimal. And it sounds like he's almost just like fucking around. Yeah. Um, Not like actually a verse. It just sounds like he's sort of freestyling. It, It reminds me of what rappers do when... People put rappers on the spot and they're like, uh, rap for me, like do a freestyle. And they're like, yo. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll do like li- a couple bars here and there. That's what it feels like, but there's like a collection of those little bars. I think it's really cool. There's some nice piano there. The song itself feels like more of like ideas thrown together yeah. than an actual song. Maybe feels like something you might see on Endless rather than Blonde, where Chanel felt like something that w- might be on Blonde. Yeah, Does that I, make sense? Yeah, it seems like maybe a transitional track. I think there's a hook in there. I, I just think that, like, in the scope of Frank Ocean's work, I guess what I'm saying is it doesn't it doesn't overly impress. Yeah. It's like a pretty middle-of-the-road type Frank song to, honestly, closer to the bottom. It's like, because most of the songs on Blonde or most of the songs on Channel Orange, I really love almost all of them. And so this is one where, I mean, I have to listen more. I was going to say, fair. let me ask you this. If this ended up being on, on an album, on a Frank album... Would I like it more? You'd, you would definitely like it more because you'd be listening context. more. It'd be in context. Yeah. That happened with both Channel Orange and Blonde for us where we started off being like, yeah, like it's, you know, we ended up loving Blonde way more over time than we did our first few listens. But the weird thing is, is Chanel has hooked me big time. Yeah. I love that song. And the thing is, I've listened twice to this. So to be fair, I, I, I reserve the, the you know, right to yeah. end up loving this by next you week. You know what's so interesting, too, about Frank Ocean? And it's just the nature of of him as an artist where we have limited content by him. Anytime he comes out with a new song, it's like a huge deal. Yeah. It makes a lot of news. And we end up talking about it like this. And, and we're putting like expectations and pressure on listening to it where it's like, I got to love it. It's like, no, it can just be a Frank Ocean song that's out there, you know? Like, And I yeah. think when we might start seeing more of this from Frank Ocean. This might start being less of an event and less of something that we feel like needs to be this groundbreaking thing. One thing this song did confirm for me is that Tyler the Creator is a rapper who I love to see featured on something and the epitome of a, a rapper who I don't really ever want to listen to a full album. <laughs> no, by. certainly not. Because I like Tyler. I like what he does. He's a, in a full album. Like I listened to Cherry Bomb a few times two mm-hmm. years ago when that came out. It's just too much. Yeah, He's, I'm not he, a fan. You don't like him at all? Uh, he's fine, in, in like you said, in certain... Certain doses. I, I will not listen to a full album by him. Definitely not. I really like his delivery and his overall sort of like his droney, really deep voice delivery. Uh, but I, it, yeah, he never hooks me for a full album. Another release Frank Ocean put out um, that's getting some attention online is this skit. It's called Experiences. And it came on actually just in between two songs he was playing on Blonded Radio. In fact, I think the beat you hear under this skit is not a beat he wrote. It's the beat of the song that's starting. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Like the next song by another artist on this radio station. And the whole skit um, is basically people are speculating it's like a character who's meant to kind of be Frank and another character who's meant to be like a family member. I think it was a cousin or like an aunt or something. Mm -hmm. And they're in a car riding around and the Frank character is kind of joking around. He's like talking about a dick in his ass. Mm Mm-hmm. 
and she's like, "What is that? That's so wrong! Like, you, yeah. you, do you want that? Yeah. Like, what? Like, what are you trying to say?" And he's like, "I was joking," and he starts laughing. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't um, fully know what to make of it. I don't either. I do appreciate that in all these little skits that he has, there's almost always um, a turn signal yeah. going on in the background. Yeah, uh, so I appreciate that. Um, we getting a new album from him? What's the deal? What's happening with this? The thing is with Frank, we'll never know. No, we won't. You know, the one thing I go and that's back why to speculation doesn't even matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. The one thing I <laughs> the one thing I go back to nothing's ever been truer. The one thing I go back to is I forget who it was. Maybe it was it was some collaborator when Blonde came out. He was like Frank's got like fifty songs or whatever. Yeah. So it's like I think he does just have a backlog and he's just like I'm gonna release these however the fuck I want to. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And I mean that's just gravy for music fans. Yep. It's it's nice. I. I don't get the sense he's working towards anything official. No, doesn't see. But who knows? He could drop yeah. something tomorrow. He could have dropped right now while we were recording. Yeah, we've been saying this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it may as well uh, So speaking of things potentially dropping or dropping. Right now while we're recording. Kendrick Lamar, King Kendrick. Uh, King Kunta. Damn, period. Yeah. Drops tomorrow. So we actually, it's weird, and I'm sure listeners get annoyed with this, because the tendency of our show is to talk about the conversations we had off mic through texting. <laughs> we do that all the time. This is not something we've talked about. No, it's have, not. We think we both saw it come out. So what do you think of the album art and the album name? And what like what are your expectations I, based on that? A premature. So, so you know what's weird at first? This got announced, and I was just like, I, I, I like almost didn't care. I was like, okay, that's just another like release we'll get this year. Right. And I was like, I don't know. For some reason, I just wasn't overly concerned about it. Went back and looked at the album art yesterday, and like the big lettering of damn and just him on there. I was period. like, this is fucking awesome. This it's looks a, super cool. It's a really cool album art, and um, the, the way he's posed in it. Looks sort of for he looks like almost like Omar in the wire. He has like this like hunched yeah, over look, yeah. and he has the cornrows going, and he looks like really threatening. Cornrow Kenny, <laughs> cornrow Kenny, and he's got like like a wispy beard yep. going. He he looks like sort of haggard on yeah, almost he does, a little yeah. bit. Um, I'm actually realizing now we have not talked about humble at all. No. On this podcast, we haven't. No, last no, week, we, we haven't. Did, You're right. We did Father John last You're week. You're right. Yeah, humble is amazing. And that's the thing is like I'm excited, but. What it seems like this album is going to be maybe a return to a little bit more mainstream. Yeah, it does feel that way. Humble is his highest charting song ever, actually. Believe it it or not, it was up at number two, right? Um, I do think we're going to get a less political Kendrick album, which honestly, I'm excited about. I want like Pimp a Butterfly, amazing. We talked about this last time where that distinction between best and favorite. Yep. Where my favorite is Good Kid, Mad City. I can listen to that more. Um, Pimp a Butterfly might be better. I think Damn is going to be something that could be in that favorite category where it's going to be a little less serious. Yeah. I think this could end up being an album that gets bumped a lot in the summer. This could propel Kendrick to like superstardom. I already think he's a star. He's very, very popular. But he's popular in that way that Father John kind of is, right. where it's like, yeah, I know him. I don't know it, maybe a ton of songs. Yeah, he is, I think, much more famous generally than yeah. Father John Misty. But in the rap community, I think he's someone where like everyone would recognize the name. Everyone would recognize 
um, what's the song with Drake? What's, yeah. What's it called? Uh, swimming pools. Swimming pools. Yeah. Everyone would recognize that, and probably "Bitch Don't Back, Kill My Vibe." Backstreet Freestyle. Yeah. They yeah. would recognize all those songs. I, th- I think Kendrick's pretty huge. I think "To Pimp a Butterfly" was something that was like harder to listen to for sure. Yeah. Just everything about the way this is being presented, like "Humble," I think was just like a fire, just a huge beat. Yeah. Like he's completely crushing all his verses on it. And looking at the track listing, it's like 14 songs. It looks like it's going to be like probably like a tighter listen. Yes, yeah. Which I think, you know what? And I, I what I appreciate about it, uh, blah, blah, what I appreciate. Music critters. Yeah, what I music critter about Kendrick. What I appreciate about him is he always is looking to challenge himself in another way. Mm-hmm. So like he did his Good Kid Mad City where there's there's really popular songs on there. So he goes, he's like, I'm going to challenge myself with something different, do a political experimental jazz rap mm-hmm. album mm-hmm. and he blows everyone away either way and I do get the sense he's coming back towards that more popular yeah. appeal I mean if Humble's any indication yeah. that song's incredible it is and the video is like even better than the song the video I think makes the song better it does I I, believe, like, I love the song the video is incredible it's one of the best music videos I've ever seen yeah oh me too there's yeah, so too. much going me on too. during it me and too. The, the visuals are so it, it honestly it's like filmed with like a quality, it seems like a camera as good as they shoot like movies with. Yeah, like an IMAX camera. Like there's that cool one where he's just like standing with his arms crossed in like what looks like a, like under an overpass with a bunch of his crew behind yeah. him, and a camera is like zooming in on his face and then zooming to the other side of his face and then zooming out, and and it's like it's just sort of tracking wherever he looks. Yes, that's awesome. Or when his head's on fire. Yes. Or like the Pope imagery. The Pope imagery. Young is Pope. Really cool. Big shout. The, the the picture, the actual cover of the single, mm-hmm. which is right from the music video, mm-hmm. is awesome. Of yeah, him standing in like papal garb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> under that like that big beam of light yeah. coming through a window. Um it's weird because you just said where like you saw the album art and you're like, Yeah, whatever, I'm excited, but there's other stuff. That's sort of more and more how I've been feeling, but it's like Dude, a Kendrick Lamar album Kendrick. is dropping tomorrow. Kendrick Lamar. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, that's a big deal, and it hasn't Felt like it. You know what the thing too it is? It did for Humble. And then it sort of... Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I th- Does it have something to do with it's not a surprise release and it wasn't announced months and months in advance? Like this in-between announcement of like just two weeks, I'm almost like, uh, okay, like I... Might as yep. well not even think about it till it comes out because like it's so close, anyways. So it, yeah, it is I like, sort can't of, get excited. It is sort of in the middle ground of the surprise Beyonce drop the album right. on everyone right now or the long before right. announced. Yeah, that's interesting. It's almost my least favorite. I, I like don't like that. This middle ground yeah. sort of waiting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he did the just surprise just drop an album with Untitled Unmastered, I guess. Yeah, um, but that's not like a true album. It's not a full length, but it's like it's a half hour long. It has eight really good songs on yeah. it. Outtakes from the Butterfly Sessions, right? They, but like his outtakes are fantastic. Like those yeah, are, those are I, really what, good songs. what I'm saying is like I don't count that as like his discography output. Really, I'm like this is a nice little bonus. He doesn't take it as seriously, right? right. And I think that's why he just right threw it out there, right? Yeah, right. yeah. So this is exciting, and I think that he's gonna. Um, I think he's going to do some new stuff. If the sound of Humble's any indication, mm, mm-hmm. um, it seems like he's heading toward a more accessible sort yeah, of route. Definitely. Um, so uh, does that does that wrap it up? I think this yeah. ended up being a, a, a long one too. It did actually. It it seemed like it was going to be short, and then yeah. it wasn't, which is not an interesting yeah, thing for me I don't to think say. We have time for any more segments, actually. Nope. Uh, so we'll be back next week with Kendrick talk on a Tuesday. That's right, on a Tuesday. All right. See you then. Thanks. 
Moron. So, two big programming changes. Potential. Well, one for sure. This will be our last Thursday episode for a while. Yeah, that's right. Soccer starting mm-hmm. next week. Yes. Um, we were talking Tuesdays. Yeah. I'm trying to think if Wednesday is better. What's okay. better for you? Tuesday. Tuesday's better yeah. for you. Yeah. Mondays suck. Yeah. I could, I could do Monday too, probably, but it's up to you. Right. Tuesday. I feel like Tuesday's a good day. I liked when we did it on Tuesday before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so this will be Thursday hiatus for a while. Yep. And then. Uh, so we're we gonna talk Kendrick on Tuesday. We'll have to. We'll, we'll, we'll have, have to. We'll have no choice. <laughs> we will have to. <laughs> it'll be Kendrick Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. We'll to listen. To, yeah. Well, we'll do it. Yeah. It'll be fun. We um, used to do that. That's what we yeah. did with like Pablo yeah. and, and uh, Drake and Chip. Radiohead. Yes. Yep. Moonshape Pool. Yep. Um, and then the other one is this. We'll have to start figuring out where we're going to record in the future since I'm moving out. That's right. That's yeah. right. We what we could I mean, we could, could just continue doing it here. That's probably for the, the next most couple, logical thing. For, to I do. mean, we, since we have all the stuff, yeah, we could do it here for the next couple months. But then, when I move, whenever that is, well, it, it'll be a matter of figuring out what the deal is because mm-hmm. I honestly think at that point your apartment would probably be the most logical there goes shock jock jock <laughs> right behind this fucking hog spring is here <laughs> oh god spring is sprung and the, the time is right for fucking motorcycles for motorcycles everywhere. in the street <laughs> yeah because um, yeah, I think that at that point your apartment since it'll be your place will make more sense yeah probably probably so maybe we can eventually shift the gear over there or something yeah We'll, we'll play it by ear. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. it's but possible your apartment will be cavernous and I know. have a huge echo. I know. Is it cavernous? Uh. <laughs> now they described <laughs> it on Craigslist. <laughs> cavernous. Um, no. I mean, I don't know how sound works in rooms. Like, I don't know how that... I think the reason this room works is there's carpeting, which softens yeah. sound yeah. waves. I don't know why I'm snapping to make I that point. I don't know. We'll have to. I guess we'll just have to test and see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, but yeah, changes. As Bowie once said, I'm, I'm, "Yeah, I'm going through changes." That was Ozzy. Yeah, Bowie. Um, <laughs> yeah, good old Davy. <laughs> yeah, Davey the Jones. other thing. I was going to say something else too. I had something else too, and I can't think of it. Uh, fuck. It was something like kind of good. Yeah. No, I really can't think of it. It was something that I thought was kind of funny. Oh, 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 I, I thought of it. Um, did you see uh, Father John Misty and Tim Heidecker saying... Yeah, I am a cuck. I am a cuck <laughs> yeah, on stage yeah, together. Yeah. I was thinking, is there anything that's more in my fucking wheelhouse <laughs> than Tim Heidecker of Tim and Eric and Father John Misty singing a Simon and Garfunkel cover with parody lyrics? <laughs> no, that's like very... The only thing that could make it better is if it was the Beatles. Or like something having to do with birthdays. Or, or Christmas. Arbitrary dates, yes. Right, if, yeah. they, if they did something about Christmas, yes, like that would have been the ultimate. <laughs> yeah. I think I may have exploded. <laughs> yeah, that's totally you. I really, really enjoyed that, though. I yeah. thought it was really funny. I actually haven't watched it. Uh, I need to, though. It's funny. The lyrics are, are good. Yeah. It's like all ripping sort of the alt-right and yeah. the whole... Cuck thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I figured <laughs> it, it, it stands to reason. Yeah, 
You don't remember your thing? No, I don't. It was something about... Moving out? <sighs> Anthony's song, Billy Joel? Maybe. Moving something out. about maybe the NBA playoffs, but that doesn't sound right. Isaiah Thomas. Um, really not a take. Celtics are a one seed. They're going to probably lose in seven to the Bulls or something stupid like that. I think that. they win against the Bulls in six. And I think they... I don't know who they're playing the next round. It would, it would have to be like It'd Toronto. It'd be the Wizards. The Wizards. Because they're the four. They'll probably lose to the Wizards. In six. Because the Wizards... Didn't they beat us in the season series this year? Yeah, I think they did. Or we... Yeah, I think they did. I think they did. At best, we split with them. I will say that the Wizards shot their wad on doing the uh, the, the all, dress in all black thing. Yeah, like, dude, don't waste that on game thirty of the regular season. But I'm really excited for this like sort of rivalry yeah. to happen. That'll be a fun second round series if we yeah. end up getting there. I think they will. Let me ask you this: um, Who are you rooting for if the Celtics can't win the championship? Which I think no one really thinks they can. Um. In the East, I want anyone but the Cavs. Right, me too. So, realistically, the Wizards are Raptors. Right, but like, so, yeah. Uh, coming out of the West, honestly, like, still the Warriors. Me too, I like yeah. the Warriors. Yeah. I have no problem There's with a lot the Warriors. of Warriors hate going around. Yeah, there is. But I still like them, and I'm still going to root for them. The Durant thing, whatever. Yeah, like, I would like for Durant to win a championship. It's funny to think... Then him go on the Simmons podcast so Simmons can, like, wash his balls some more. And you know the thing is, Kevin, uh, yeah. you're my best friend now that we hang out. All and the time. and you know, like this city, the Bay Area is so infused with tech now. It's just, it's such a great and, tech and, hub. And, and you know, Kevin, I know, I know we didn't get to talk. <laughs> like clear your fucking throat. I know man. we didn't get to talk tech on this episode, Kevin. And I really, I think we'll get there. And you know, with all the tech that's happening in the NBA now, you know, you guys are on Twitter all the time. You, you know, you're you're seeing it. You know, you guys can't go anywhere. You got to be cooped up in your hotel rooms. Tech and and, and like Durant's like yeah, like yeah, yeah, man. It's all about it's all about the family, man. Come on, you, Bill, Bill. You know you're a writer, Bill. Come on, man. But you're a fan. But you're a fan. I didn't get it when I was in OKC. I didn't get it. I thought. Well, I thought you know the thing about me. OKC is that Joe Lacob is so smart. It's like that's not OKC, <laughs> Bill. Dude, yeah. this okay. this is making no fucking no. sense to but anyone. If, if you listen to the Bill Simmons podcast as much as we do, yeah, I I hope you find this funny. Mm. I don't know. I hope so. I, I mean, know. there's there the cross section of people that are hearing this minutes into our post show. <laughs> And listen to Bill Simmons is like I honestly think things. I honestly think the margins there's not much to work with. It's like 064 percent of yeah. a person. Shoot us shoot us a tweet if you listen to Bill Simmons, and I am so confident we will receive no tweets about I don't that. Think we will. Because that not only means that they have to listen to this part of the yeah. episode, but they must be into Simmons, and that's not and have happen. a Twitter. Right, yeah, so not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to yeah. happen. No. <laughs> and, you know, the thing about OKC is it's such a small market. You know, you, yeah, that's what I'm saying, Bill. I want it. You know, it was time for me to, to grow up. He's got like a. Doesn't Durant have like a pretty deep voice too? It's like it's like yeah. Not, it's not super deep though. Yeah, but it's like a little whiny in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a deep like. Yeah. I, I like those interviews, that but is, they get a little circle jerky. Yeah, because like Simmons, as much as he'll shit on people behind their back, I don't think he's good at doing it in person. No, and he actually doesn't do it to Durant ever. 
right? Um, because of that relationship, and I think Durant knows he is shit on Isaiah Thomas a lot, though. He has, which is weird. Since he, even though he was on his podcast, and what's funny to me is he'll he'll basic, and this is going off on a tangent, but. He'll talk about how bad Isaiah is at defense. He's like, and he's he's a liability out there. Plain and simple, he's a liability. When Isaiah was on the podcast, he's like, yeah, this is overblown. He's like, you know, the defense thing, it's overblown. And Isaiah's like, I know, I know, man. I don't and, know. and Isaiah will give him nothing. No, he get, he'll, he'll ask him a question. He'll be like, I don't know, I don't know. That's I don't, it. <laughs> I don't know. And it's just Simmons like, ah, well, and you know, so. Uh, yeah, God, God bless him for getting as much as he could out of that interview. Yeah, but it was bad. Isaiah Thomas is not a good interview. It got better in the last 20 it minutes. It did. But early on, it was not good. And he did an interview on the Ringer NBA pod as well, and that was worse. Mm. It was worse. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what... I can't listen to that, by the way. I can't... I don't have the time. Dude, the fucking Ringer yeah. is too... We've, we've talked about it. They're too... You want to talk about a circle jerk. Yeah. Look at the fucking Ringer and what they're doing. Yeah, it's true. Just... Oh, Chris Ryan, fucking Mallory Rubin, like, you know, memes that were cool. The two, mother of dragons. Two, two years ago. It's like, no, only you guys fucking call each other these stupid nicknames. Get over yourselves. <laughs> and like, I, I, the funny thing is, I like them. I do, too. They're nice people. They're just fucking, like, goobers. I <laughs> Fucking lame. I wonder how many people think that about us. Like, Probably yeah, everyone. Yeah. Like, I, I'll, be, I'll be the first. That's the thing, though. That's the difference. I'll be the first to admit this is a sad, pathetic, lame podcast. But I don't pretend like I'm this super hip internet, you know, provocateur of tech. Yeah. And you know what the thing is? is like we, that's kind of the Father John Misty defense that we use. Where we're like, we don't take it seriously. Right, yeah. You know, we don't really care. We're as smart and talented as Father John Misty. That was, in ways, what I was saying. In some ways, exactly right. what I was saying. Um but yeah, if you deflect and self-deprecate, then no one can get you. But the thing is, is like people still think shitty stuff about us and everyone. Oh yeah, of course. The world of is course. just like no one really likes anyone. No, everyone is mean yeah. and shitty deep down, and just wants to do what's best for them or whatever feels good in the moment. So if it feels good to make fun of someone or something yeah. else, like we just did with Bill Simmons, right? So someone that's... who is who is a hundred times more accomplished yeah. than us, more than a hundred. I don't know how to quantify it. However much we're Infinity. both worth, divided by, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. What he's worth. He's more popular. He's more successful. And we like him. And right. we're here, like, shitting on right, him. Right, exactly. And in my head, I go through the day, I'm like, ooh, I hope no one talks about me behind my back. It's like, dude, uh, <laughs> they definitely, definitely, definitely do. Yeah. There is a 0.0% chance yeah. that people aren't making fun of you ruthlessly every single fucking day. Someone. I don't think every single day. Every other day. Okay. Someone saying something about, like, two friends who know you. Yeah. The only common ground they have, it's like on Seinfeld. Yes. When George and Elaine get together, like, yeah, Jerry does this thing where he, they, you know that, that that has to happen. And it's like, I, can you believe Sean's moving out early? I, like, we we haven't done much of any of that. Okay. I haven't, like... Much of any of it? No, any honestly, of it? any of it. No, I <laughs> okay. said much, and then I caught myself, because it is, it's none. Okay, okay. I, why would, I, I have no I complaints know. about that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, do I resent you? Yes. Sure. Am I pissed at you? Yes. Like, big time, dude. You can't just move. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, Honestly, no one said anything. Okay. We, it's all been, it's been, it's been love okay. and support. But, but guess what, Sean? When I'm behind your back, <laughs> it's, ooh. You, you wouldn't believe it. the shit I'm on the, the, seed, the seeds I'm, I'm playing down. <laughs> uh, no, it's all support. Okay. You know? Cool. 
cool. Really supportive. Good. <laughs> Much love. <laughs> Much love, mon frere. <laughs> what is What is fam? Hey, there you go. Full fam. circle. Chris, Chris Ryan. Ryan. Big shout. Uh, all right, that went off on a tangent. Yeah, that's a long one. And honestly, one of the most incoherent things <laughs> we've ever laid yeah. on. Yeah. So if you're here right now, still listening, I feel like you you owe are owed something. But I don't know what we have recourse to give you. We don't. We have some stickers still. Yeah, but like, who the fuck wants a sticker no, from us? No one. You know what we did is we kind of jumped the gun on that. <laughs> we have so many stickers. We were like, we we're like, this will be cool. Yeah. And then it was sort of received with like a collective like, oh, like, all right, oh, you got sticker. Oh, 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 okay. And it's like someone who's been like dating a girl or a guy for like a week or something and buys an engagement ring, or something. <laughs> and all all their friends are like, oh, you're really oh. serious about this? Yeah, I am. You you bought you branded sure? stickers for your fucking podcast oh. that six people listen to every oh. week. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. No, it's not six. It's not even close to six. Yeah, right, it's seven. three. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's also not true. That's not true. We have, we have, we have. Honestly, we have more listeners than what we we joke about. Right. We have ten. <laughs> Again, we have more. No, the average but... every week plays are like between. It's Ooh, like... trade secrets, Jake. Trade secrets. Should we not reveal that? I don't know. I don't know. All right. What do you think our advertisers would think of that? You mean the listening podcast? <laughs> it brought to you by listeners like you. They might be upset. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, all right, you want to dive in? You ready? Yeah. Okay. I'm feeling limbered up. Okay. There you go. That's that's a longer. Uh, that's good. It gets the it gets the podcast muscles warmed up. I'm gonna spit out this gum because uh, I don't want to be chomping into chomping a, in the microphone into a microphone the whole time. I'm gonna put it. Ooh, by the way, actually. Oh, you got your very own Sub Pop stickers. Look at these stickers I got. This oh, Father John Misty sticker. That's cool. This is bad radio, but it's it's like post show, so it doesn't matter. And then a sub pop. Where are you sticker. gonna put them? I don't really know. I was thinking laptop, but I don't, I'm not sure if that's what I want to do with them. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to come up with a strategy. Yeah. Not that it requires strategy. Okay. Okay. Cool. I'll have to show you the um, Father John Misty, the deluxe. Yes. Yes. Thing. Yes. Final. I'm gonna steal it. Okay. What let's was that about stealing it? I said, let's dive in. No, you said I I'm gonna steal it, and then no. said okay. You actually never said dive in. Uh, let's dive in. Uh, okay. Episode sixty-eight. Here we go. Ready? Three. Two, I'm going to steal it, definitely. One. Uh...